Are you at your point where you think you've hit your bottom or maybe that there's just no way you're ever going to feel like things can change? I was like that. I really was. And I want you to know, my name is Bromo, by the way. I want you to know that there is a way out. Please join us for my podcasts. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Wow, episode 10. <laughs> Can you believe it already? My name is Bromo. This is There Is A Way Out. I love doing these. I'm a little rusty, so I apologize. I, um, I'll tell you the story again. I did these about five years ago for a different company. I racked up about 30 of these. And then um, when I left the company, I could not take them with me. So I've started again, and you're hearing my same story again. I'm trying to get that through as thorough and as quick as possible because my favorite part is putting other people on and sharing their strengths and hopes. I believe that uh, there is a way out uh, for sure for me. I never thought there was, and uh, I am not a doctor. I don't have any kind of degree or anything like that. I just have 15 years of experience, which I hope to pass on to others. And what I mean by others, if if you believe that you may uh, drink too much, um, you may be feeling like you have a problem or anyone else, Always my, the biggest compliment to me is when someone passes on my podcast to someone else, like a family member or a friend or anybody that they feel that they might uh, be able to listen for a little bit and see if they can relate. That's all. I left you last uh, segment episode as when I had hit rock bottom for sure. That I was as close to what have I've ever been to really being an really bad shape as far as my blood pressure was through the roof. Alarms were going off. I was in the hospital for three days. When I got out, I tried to get back to the Scripps McDonald Center, the 28-day program, and I was told, sorry, you just left here. It's too soon to come back. And I had no place to go. So a friend of mine took me me to a place uh, back to Scripps where where the guy said, hey, look, I do have an idea. I'm a graduate from there, and I believe in it 100%. It's a little rough, and it's way out there, 35 miles east of Alpine, which is just outside San Diego. I would guess it's 40 miles from downtown, maybe 45 from downtown San Diego. So it's out there. It's in the middle of really nowhere. It's dusty, and it can be hot, and it can be cold, but not like Bismarck, but it can get cold. It was called the Freedom Ranch. And it was a place where I had to go and apply, fill out an application. And I forgot to mention this last segment. While I was there, the manager, the guy that was running the whole place, recognized me. And I believe that he recognized me because he had listened to the show that I was on for many years. He was a fan. And he knew me as, of course, promo. He came out. He goes, I know who you are. It is just the coolest guy He had on like a cowboy hat, and his name was George. 
And George sat down at this rickety bench with me outside and said, look, this will be the best place for you. I know you as Bromo, but when you come in here, you will be Dave Brandon. That's my real name, by the way. You will be Dave Brandon. I want to instill some confidence in you. I want you to know that you are worth something. I want you to realize that you can save your life, and this is the first step. Uh, This place is marvelous, and he talked to me for about 15 minutes. Busy guy, you know, and he stood up and walked away, and I was blown away by that. That's just what alcoholics do. That's what we do for other people, but he was the manager, you know, so I remember I had stayed and watched a meeting with my stepbrother, but uh, before we got there, and as we're pulling in, I saw all these big, huge, rugged guys. They looked like they just got out of jail, and actually some of them probably did. They had tattoos on their arms, smoking cigarettes and playing horseshoes. And I remember totally not in the mood. And I said to my stepbrother, I don't belong here. And he goes, yeah, I think you do. Well, I had waited. I was befriended by some beautiful people, angels that saved my life. Uh, They let me stay in their house. And I was having to call Freedom Ranch every other day to see if I made, to see if a bed opened up. There were 40 people that lived in this place. It was kind of like a barracks kind of style. The meeting place was outside the house where uh, that's where everyone slept and stuff. It was a beautiful uh, outdoors. Campo was a beautiful but gritty and dirty uh, compound, basically. With, like I said, the main house. And then off to the left is the meeting area, which is another... Uh, kind of a trailer, not really a trailer, but another separate part of the grounds. And uh, when I got that call, I think I had, I think I had tried to call for three solid weeks. Every other day I'd call in, hang on, let me look. I know you're getting close. And I keep telling myself, oh, please not today. Please not today. Hey, Dave. Oh no. Hey, sorry, pal. Keep trying. Call in two days. Oh, darn it. Okay, great, thanks. Hang up the phone. Yes. Yes, I get to be free and stay in this place and 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 just relax and and that's what I was doing. And I was not drinking because the people I was staying with, uh, they're in the program as well. And obviously I didn't have a car. And even if I wanted to think that I could go out and fool these two people, I was not going to even try. I was really secluded in this in the house of theirs. That one day I called in in the morning and the guy goes, hang on a second. Let me look. Hey, Dave. Yeah, we got a bed. Be here before noon. And I hung up the phone going, well, here it is. I packed up some things. They told me what to pack. And I had an arrangement to have someone drive me out there. And, um, you know, I believe I took my own car out there. I did. I had my own car out there, that's right, because they let me park in a parking lot in the back of the place. A lot, Most people didn't have a car, but I did. But I had my stuff all packed and ready to go, and I had to. Really, the saddest part for me uh, was giving up my two cats. Uh, we had a f- friend that said she would take them, and I knew when I was leaving for the Freedom Ranch, I was not going to see my cats again, and I went out, of course, like a baby crying my eyes out and I delivered the cats 
said goodbye. And they had a wonderful life with her, and then she took off with them. But uh, I remember getting into my car. I remember driving out there, scared, scared, scared. You know, of course, I knew what the place looked like. I saw some of the people that lived there that were residents. But I had no idea what, I, what was in store for me. I remember listening to Queensryche, silent lucidity on the way out there. And it's a beautiful drive, but you're really <laughs> way out there. I get out in the sticks and I pull in. And a guy who's out there uh, brushing a dog and cleaning up these two dogs and giving them a bath. His name was Josh. He greeted me. Big old smile and he took my things. Now, when they when you first get there, they take all your belongings and your clothes and they put it into like a freezer for like a day. I think they're trying to, it's a health reason. Uh, and, and you don't see your stuff for about a day, I guess. They go through it and they make sure it's sanitized or whatever. I don't know. I, I believe because some people have been there before have had bed bugs trail them or something. I am shown my room and my room is number three right across from the office. And some of the rooms housed up to eight people inside the room. I had six people in my room, little bunk beds. Um, little tiny bunk beds with one right up above you, whatever they call what My brain doesn't work sometimes in the morning. You know what I'm talking about. Those captain bunk beds, I guess. I was on the bottom. We had six people in my room. There was a window that I was next to. I put my stuff, what little stuff that I was able to keep from the bag, I said, well, here I am. And they walked me around and they introduced me and Josh showed me around the grounds. He showed me the meeting room area. He showed me the lunch dining room area. And then he took me into the uh, meeting room area where there was a class going on. Five days a week, we had a teacher come out who went through the steps with us. And he and and he went through our disease with us. He was, his name is, I'll just say his name was Tom. And Tom would go through each day, Monday through Friday, through the book, through his experiences. And um, I think I start, I think we started our day at like nine o'clock in the morning. First, we got up at a certain time. We had breakfast. Then we were all assigned certain chores. My very first chore was raking up the parking lot. That's right. We did that for about 20 minutes, and then we had class. And I think we had class from like 9 to noon. Uh, In between, we'd have some breaks, of course, because everybody had to smoke their cigarettes and drink their coffee. We went back to class at noon. We had lunch. We came back for another hour, I believe. And after like 2 o'clock, we were done. It was our time. We could do what we want up until dinner. When they rang the bell outside, and then we had a meeting every night. And that, that meeting every night was open to everybody. Uh, lots, of, lots of people would show up who used to be Freedom, Freedom Ranchers. They called themselves ranchers. Freedom Ranch has saved so many lives in the past, still saving lives now. But when we had our very first meeting at night, And I had to sit in the front row. That's where the new people were placed. And uh, in the daytime, when I got there and I was in my first class, Doug says to me, or Tom says to me, 
He says, uh, uh, tell everybody what's going on with yourself. So I told my story and I told uh, everybody, yeah, I think this is it. I don't want to drink again. And I didn't convince him at all. He said, yeah, right, right, until you probably get out of here, right? He was pretty cunning. I mean, he, he knew. He knows when people are really, really done and when they're not done. But I was done, but still I wasn't ready to accept it. But the first thing he said to me is, look around to you. Look around to your side. Look around behind you. Out of these 40 people that you're part of now, after a year, three of you, if you're still sober, those are pretty much the odds. Because most of you will either be in jail, on the streets, running around, using or drinking, or dead. And I remember thinking, oh, yeah, right. Gee, let's see if we can get a little bit more dramatic, right? I'm thinking to myself, BS. I didn't really take note of his st- statistic. I didn't want to hear his statistic. I was looking out the window going, well, it looks like I'm stuck here. I have no place to go. I'm in Freedom Ranch now as a resident. My first day, where's my life going? I was really pretty much in shell shock. You know why? Because I still wanted to be at home in Mission Beach with my cats, with my alcohol, and I wanted my carefree life back. Nothing told me, of course, if I had that carefree life back, it was probably going to kill me this time. So we went through our class. We went through the day. We had meetings come in and out. And through the course of the weeks that went by, man, I still was bitter. I still wasn't seeing the beauty of this place because how could you? My disease was yelling for me. Let's go. Come on. And my body was craving it, but now I'm getting healthier week by week because I'm not drinking and I'm eating food and I'm living um, a alcohol clean lifestyle out there. Some of the days when I was there during the summer were brutally hot, 110 degrees easy being inside that meeting room. And a lot of the guys that I were with were great. I mean, they really were. When I was in my first day there, I looked off to my left and I saw a van come pulling up bunch of guys in jumpsuits. And I remember thinking, what the hell? And I watched them being paraded over to this shack. And inside the shack were a bunch of clothes that people had donated. A bunch of uh, Freedom Ranchers graduates who had donated a ton of clothes, shirts, jackets. You, you name it, they're in there. And they're in this aluminum, metallic, big, huge shack outside of the meeting room. And I watched these people go in with their jumpsuits and leave with normal clothes and walk right into our room. Yeah, these were people that came from jail. They were given an opportunity to leave jail and go into this program, which now I can see if I were one of those guys, I would do the same thing. I've never been to jail, knock on wood, but I can't imagine being secluded. I am so claustrophobic, you wouldn't believe it. But I remember thinking, now I'm surrounded by a bunch of guys from jail. I was scared, but something told me, something told me to just try and live with it because you got nowhere else to do. I got nothing else going on. I really don't. 
That didn't hit me until about my third weekend, third or fourth weekend into the uh, Freedom Ranch living there that I'm like, I, I don't have a place to go. I'm not, I don't have a job anymore. I'm sure people miss me. This is my big shot mentality. I'm sure people miss me being on the radio because I was such a superstar, you know? And I'm sure, I'm sure that there are people wondering what happened to me and I, you know, they can't wait to hear from me again. And, and when I do finally get out of here and I'm cured, underline that, I'm cured, they'll throw everything at me to try to get me back on the radio because I'm, I'm such a big superstar. This was me thinking that back then. Um, probably about halfway through, maybe my 60th day, and I kept a little calendar journal of each day. Uh, I, these guys came in, three of them, and they came in during one of our lessons, during our classes. And Tom said, hey, we've got some visitors. I want you to listen to these guys. And they sat down on the table and they told us about this place called Pathfinders, which was really close to downtown San Diego. And they were members of this uh, sober living living place, a recovery home called Pathfinders. This is a nine-month plan. Uh, This was nine months of living at a recovery home rather than 120 days plus Freedom Ranch. Now, these three individuals each took turns talking about what it was like living at Pathfinders, how uh, how awesome it is to be so close to downtown, what kind of freedoms come with being there. Um, they told us about what their day was like. And then they said to all of us, one of the most important things you need by far to think about when you're getting close to getting out of the Freedom Ranch is you need an exit plan. Yes, you need an exit plan. Because if you don't and you leave here and you, you know, go find a place to hang out or somebody gives you their couch for a week, you got no direction. And then it's only a matter of time before you drink or use again. I listen to these guys and they seem pretty cool. And it seemed like a, a place that I could continue to live at. And then they left. And then I jotted down some information and I called up Pathfinders, talked to the manager there, and I said, what do I need to do? And uh, he, they had us, uh, they had a chance for us to take a trip from Freedom Riders to Pathfinders. They took about eight of us. And we filled out an application. We met the manager and we said, I said, quote, I I would really like to continue my sobriety by once I get out of Freedom Ranch, I'd like to live here. They told me how it worked. Once again, I was on a list. And once again, I think I'd called in. I would call every other day or maybe twice a week I'd call. So I started keeping track of how many days I was there at Freedom Ranch, how many days I was calling in. And I was kind of getting used to the Freedom Ranch style, way out, secluded, away from the city, away from life. And I have to tell you, I was really, really looking forward to a change. I was looking forward to getting out of there and telling myself, man, once I do and I drive out of there in my rickety car, I am never coming back to this place. Many times during my free time, I would sit 
and walk over to a bench and write letters and things like that. Writing the letters to people, telling people how I couldn't stand it. The people here were great and stuff such like that and the food was okay. But man, was it boring as hell. Life was passing me by. Remember, I'm a superstar, right? And I remember uh, telling everybody how I couldn't wait to uh, get the hell out of there. I wanted nothing more. I wanted nothing to do with Freedom Ranch. The days went by. The weather got hotter and hotter. And then I got the chance when I called. The manager says, "You're, it's you, buddy. Yep, we got a bed for you. Why don't you come on by again? Be here before 1 o'clock. You can have lunch. Get all your stuff together and come on out. And I, George, once again, the manager I told you who sat down with me at the bench, was excited for me. He told me a little bit about how Pathfinders is terrific. The teacher, Tom, was happy for me. Made some jokes like, I hope you don't start drinking out there. You know, it's really close to liquor stores and stuff. Not, not like out here in Campo where there's nothing going on around us. I get my things together. I put it in my car. Once again, Queensryche is on my stereo as I'm driving out of Campo. Sunny day, and I'm driving away, and miles go by, and I'm thinking, man, I am never coming back to this place. And on my way to Freedom to uh, Pathfinders, I'm thinking, okay, well, here's my next stop. Freedom uh, Pathfinders is nine months long at least. I was at Freedom Ranch for 124 days until I got that call. I'm looking forward to now nine months more of my lifetime in recovery. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm going to build up almost a full year of this. Now, I was able to live by with some disability that comes when when uh, you're away from a job and you're getting some help. Underline that part, which I was getting help. I pull into Pathfinders and I find a place around the corner and I meet the manager. And what a different scenario. What a different setting than Freedom Ranch. This is right in the middle of this really... Uh, it's called Golden Hills is the part of the neighborhood. All kinds of cool older houses. Maybe a couple blocks away from a big, huge park and a golf course. And uh, there were, uh, I don't, geez, there had to be 50 residents there. Pathfinders was set up like this. The first house you come to is where the manager's office is. It's also where the meeting hall is. It's also where the dining room area is and for the first three months you live in the first house you and some other residents I was assigned a room with four other guys and after about three months of living at Pathfinders you progress to the second house which is literally around the corner right around the block from the first house and there you are with other residents who have progressed and you live in that household for three months. And then your last three months of your nine-month plan, your nine-month program, there you live right next door to the first house. That third house is basically your way of progressing and getting out into reality. You've, you've almost graduated. Does that make sense? 
So in my first, in my first uh, house, I'm learning the uh, how they do things there. They had a little. All of the residents would get together in the morning for like a half hour huddle in a big, huge circle. And we had like inspirational books or anything we wanted to read. And we would quote from it and we would kind of go around each person if time, if time was, if time was a permitting time, you know, we had a half hour if we could all get our, what we wanted to say in there. Some people didn't want to say anything because once again, you know, a lot of people that were in there were like, why am I here? Or like, it's nine o'clock in the morning. I could be anywhere else. You know, just not, just not loving it, you know? So not everyone spoke. We'd have breakfast and then uh, we would go out and we would all have chores in the morning, just like Freedom Ranch. After that, man, you were on your own until one o'clock, until noon. At noon was the, uh, was lunch. And then at one o'clock was, uh, a meeting for everybody. And a meeting for the outside, a meeting for every, uh, it was a, it was an open meeting. I think I got that times right. I think noon, I think lunch was right at noon. And one o'clock was an open meeting that anybody could go to. And then we had dinner. And then on Tuesday nights, it was a speaker meeting where somebody would come in and speak. I just want to make sure I get all this right. You know, after a couple of weeks of, being in the city and being among others that were going through it. I'd been doing this for a little while now. Remember, I had 124 days at Freedom Ranch. I now was about three weeks in to Pathfinder, so I was kind of getting used to the system of being around recovery, being around others, listening to others speak. And by the way, it was mandatory. We had to be at that one o'clock meeting. You better believe it. And we had a certain spot that we sat for Pathfinders off to the side. All of us sat together and they did keep roll and they made sure you were there. And I'll tell you what, if you weren't, you would hear from it. (laughs) One of our managers, Keith, really cool guy. And you'll hear from him when he speaks on my podcast. He was awesome. He and uh, TJ, I believe, was his assistant. In my first house, I'd been there almost two and a half months. And, um, you know, I was getting ready to get that call. They tell you when you're ready to go to the second house. And, boy, when you go to the second house, you have a little bit more freedom because you're away from the office. You're away from this and that, although the manager sleeps in the second <laughs> second house. Um. I'm about a, two months in, and we were coming up on an event that I told you earlier in my podcast segments called The Sky Show. That was the biggest, biggest radio station promotion of the year, which involved fireworks after a football game. I think back then it was baseball. Fireworks synchronized to our radio station's music, and it was a blast. And I had all those memories before when I was on the show drinking and doing all that. Uh, I remember that this weekend, while I was living in the 
Pathfinders. I woke up and I was really, really bumming out, really depressed, really missing my own my old lifestyle, really missing the radio show and all the glamour. Keep in mind now, I kept thinking that I'm this big shot because certain people found out who I was. I kept thinking that this can't be real. All this stuff going on with my life right now can't be. It's, there's got to be people around with a, a camera ready to pop out anytime and tell me that they're doing a reality show on me or whatever. It wasn't real, you know. I was listening to people who spoke, and I didn't really dig it. I could care less about some old-timer that would get up on the podium and talk about his 18 years or whatever. We had, uh, every Sunday morning, we had a, a men's meeting. Obviously, that was just for men, but it was open, open. So a lot of the alumni would show up. And when the alumni would show up, boy, they let it be known that they were alumni, man. Yeah, I used to live right there. In fact, I used to sit right over there. And they would, he would point at us in our group of Pathfinders where we all had to sit. I remember sitting in those seats. I remember what it was like. Okay, shut up. Um, This Saturday that I woke up, I was extremely depressed. I had my little Walkman. And I knew that the the Sky Show was happening that night. But I also knew earlier in that daytime on that Saturday, they were going to do a live show from the stadium and they were going to broadcast it. I thought to myself, you know what? There's this park, a dog park, probably about a half mile away from here. And you know what? No one's watching me because we are allowed to go out and do whatever we want. And on Saturdays, we have way more freedom. Why don't we? Remember that little voice I told you? Um, why? Why don't we go and buy some of those uh, canned martinis? Because there were liquor stores all around Pathfinders. There were bars within sight of Pathfinders. I, well, I'm in the city now. I'm not out in Campo. Why don't you go buy a couple of those uh, club martinis, put it in your bag, and why don't you go out to Dog Park where there's that really cool tree with a view of downtown and the golf course below you? Hang out for like three or four hours, take a nap, listen to the to the event that you miss so much. And have a couple of those. No one will know by the time because no one ever had us take a pee test. Not that I remember. Unless they suspected something different in you, which they never did. I never saw anybody given the pee test. But they had that ability to do. But it didn't scare me. But boy, that voice kept chattering at me. Why don't you? What's to keep you from doing it? You know that if you have a couple of those and then you stop, you know you can hang out by that tree, you can take a nap, you can listen to everything that used to be part of your life, and you can come back and you can continue on with your sober life because sobriety sucks. Because all your fun that you had in your lifetime is not in your life anymore, right? Right? You're just going through the motions, right? Don't you think... What do you think I did? Did I do the right thing? Did I fall to the voices that were in my head again? 
My next episode, I'll tell you what happens when my manager gave me something I'll never forget ever. I'll tell you what he said. My name is Bromo. There is a way out. Thank you so much for being part of this. And remember, if you're fighting or anyone else, there is a way out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.